Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with life with Jesus meets yours. In this episode, we have our sermon from this past Sunday, May 16th, 2021, the seventh Sunday in the season of Easter. And after you listen, be sure to check out the show notes for the sermon discussion guide. Here goes. Dear fellow redeemed, two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that there's no such thing as free will in spiritual matters, that free will in spiritual matters is an absolute myth. And then last week, we talked about the actual comfort that God gives us when he tells us about original sin. That even though it convicts us of a spiritual reality, at the same time, it shows us that there's no way out. And there's no space for panic because of that. That if we thought there was some way that we could get our way out of it, if there was some way that we could contribute or add to or complete our salvation, then there would be all sorts of panic, wondering if we have done enough and wondering, wondering if and when that would finally happen. And today is the final aspect of what we've been talking about. This topic that we call the, the means of grace the tools that God uses to get his grace, his unconditional love from him to us. And this is, this is one of the more, um, perhaps one of the squishier ideas to consider because even a number of our hymns gloss over the fact. Even a number of our hymns kind of look, look past this fact because the way God describes it in scripture, it's very comforting, but it's also very narrow. And if we believe in a means of grace, if we believe in this tool of God's grace, then it absolutely precludes any of my action, any of my will, any of my effort. Because what we have is, as you know, the central teaching of the Bible. The central teaching of the Christian church is that idea called justification. Justification, meaning that God has declared you to be not guilty. It's a legal term. That God has declared you for the sake of his son to be not guilty. And on both sides, we have these exact two ideas that we've been talking about for the last two or three weeks. On the one side, original sin, there's no free will, we can't make any movement toward God. On the other side, what we're talking about today that God is the one who comes to us and makes movement toward us. God is the one who creates faith. God is the one who sustains this faith. And when we talk about this idea of of the means of grace, um, it's even alluded to and mentioned in our gospel reading today when Jesus says in verses 13 and 14, But now I am coming to you, and I am saying these things in the world, so that they may be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. And he goes on to say that his word is what protects his people as they live in this world. And so the big question is, really, where do we find our certainty? And the way that this often presents itself, um, even, you know, it's about every other month um, that this question shows up in my inbox in one way or another Pastor, I'm not so sure where I'm at with my faith. Pastor, I'm not so sure that, that I'm really forgiven. How can, I be, how can I know that I'm a Christian even if I'm just participating online and it just, 
It just doesn't feel the same. How can I know? And how can I be sure? Because I walked out of church um, the other week, and it was just, I wasn't feeling it. Because that's the problem behind the problem. That we can't talk about the means of grace and the beautiful treasure that God gives to us there without talking about what is, what is faith. That faith is, is really you know, the emotional state of the soul, that emotional state of trust in God. But your faith is not your emotion. That your faith often, and this will start making sense here just a little bit, that faith is often associated with emotion, emotion, but your faith is not your emotion. And the comfort we have, the certainty we have, is God's promise attached to the means of grace. This idea of the means of grace is that God actually gives and grants and seals, that is, he promises, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And he does that through his gospel, when it is spoken, when it is read, when it is remembered. He does that through the gospel as it is given in holy baptism. He does that through the proclamation of the gospel here in the Lord's Supper, that God actually uses those tools to get his grace into your heart to create and sustain faith. That God actually does that. And I hid a little, a little picture on page 7 in your service folder. Because I knew if I put it too far ahead in the bulletin, then you'd all be looking at it already. But there on page 7, on the left-hand side, where it says sacramental or instrumental, that God actually gives his forgiveness through baptism and through communion and, yes, through the word as well. And that is what we believe and teach and confess. That is what God says, you know, when he says at the end of Romans chapter 6, which is all about baptism, that's where God says, yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that gift is given through baptism. That's exactly the purpose of the Lord's Supper when Jesus talks about um, being offered and given for the forgiveness of sins. That is exactly what God promises when his word is preached and spoken and heard and remembered. That faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ. That God gives his gifts through these tools. And the reason we have to talk about this and the reason that it connects so well with faith is because there's an entire swath segment of Christianity that denies this truth. And a lot of them <laughs> write a lot of good music on top of it. There's an entire swath segment of Christianity that goes on the right-hand side of that picture. The idea that God comes to each individual believer directly and that we just use these things in church and we sing our songs and we do these readings as evidence that the Holy Spirit has come to us. See how it turns everything upside down? That the Bible teaches that God comes to us and we reflect our praise to him through our song. The other belief, 
that is not in line with scripture says that God comes to each individual believer directly, whether you're you know, staring at the sky, staring at a mountain, or whatever you happen to be doing. And then you demonstrate that the Holy Spirit has come to you through the song you sing and the participation here at the table. And the only reason they can say that, I guess, is twofold. They deny that idea of original sin. And they equate faith with emotion. I guess some Sundays are more of a class than a sermon, but I'm not going to apologize for that. They deny the idea of original sin, and they equate faith with emotion. That if I feel like a Christian, and if I have this marvelous feeling when I'm staring at a beautiful mountain or a lovely sunset, then that must be God speaking to me in my heart. And my internal monologue is God telling me and affirming that what I want to do is the correct action. Because they subscribe to this non-means of grace theology. They subscribe to the idea that they have spiritual free will and that God comes to them directly. But there's no certainty there. And there's no comfort there. And there's a constant temptation for you and me there. Because we see all these other Christians, many of whom might even seem more involved or engaged or active or joyful or happy, whatever the case may be, they seem to be so much more than I. And you could probably say the same thing. They seem to be so, I don't know what the term is, on fire or in love for loving Jesus or whatever, active for Jesus. They seem to be doing all these things. And we Lutherans, we gather, we confess our sins, we gather around the Lord's table, we rejoice in justification, that is, that your sin has been declared not guilty, that you have been declared not guilty. And then we go on our way. And they would equate faith with emotion and we hold on to faith as a gift from God. And why this really matters is because of the certainty that you and I can have. That's exactly what Jesus talked about um, here in John chapter 17, his high priestly prayer. The certainty that you and I can have. How do I know that I'm a Christian, Pastor? Pastor, I just wasn't feeling like, you know, like YouTube isn't really cutting it for me. Pastor, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And I'm not, I'm not feeling like a Christian. And the answer, in a sense, you know, putting it crassly, God doesn't care how you feel about it. Because God has done his work. That you have been baptized. That God promised there at baptism, he adopted you. He washed away your sin. He made you his own. That Jesus, yes, he died for the sins of the whole world. And dear friend, that includes you. And that we're not just talking about the objective facts of our salvation, like the four verses in Christ alone talk about. We're talking about how God brought that salvation down to your heart. And the way he did that is through his tools. That he doesn't speak to your, um, indirectly into your mind or into your heart. He doesn't speak to you through sunset or through mountain unless your sight is enlightened by the word of God. He only speaks through his word. And he comes to people 
who are trapped in sin, who have no way out, who have no free will, he does all the work to say, dear Christian, you individually, personally, have been adopted into the family of God, that you individually and personally have had your sin forgiven by the one who laid down his life and rose from the dead, and that when we stand around the Lord's table here, each person receives by mouth, hidden underneath that wafer and wine, each person receives Jesus Christ in body and in blood for the express purpose of the forgiveness of sins. And there you have certainty. Words that you can hear. Water that drips off a head. Something you can taste and touch. And when you go back to your seats and your children smell it on your breath, and you can say, yes, I have had my forgiveness again. Yes, I have certainty because my salvation and my forgiveness doesn't depend on my reaction or it doesn't depend on me demonstrating that I'm a Christian by the way I live my life. It doesn't depend on me making sure that I've always got the right emotion and when I'm among Christian people, I've got to make sure that I'm wearing the right face mask or the right, <laughs> the right visual image. I'm projecting the right image so that they think I'm a Christian and they affirm the fact that I feel like a Christian. None of that. It's this truth that we can come here before God and in the hearing of one another, we can admit what God knows to be true. We can admit what we don't want to admit anywhere else. Lord, I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I have sinned against my neighbor, my friend, my brother and sister in Christ. And I can't be the one to undo that. I can't be the one to make sure that, that I have atoned for my sin. We can admit that. And our Lord says, dear child, your sin has been forgiven. Because God said it. And God brought it home to you. And that when you walk out today, um, and you go on your way home, in one sense, you know, I hope that worship is a joyful and uplifting experience as we gather around the Word of God, as we encourage one another with the songs that we sing. But at the end of the day, our confidence lies in the fact that Jesus has attached his promise. Jesus has attached his promise to the words that he spoke, to the tools that he uses, so that you can say, you know what, I have, I have absolute certainty and how I feel about it, how I feel about the matter doesn't particularly matter. Because his word is stronger than my heart. And his word is stronger than my feelings. And whether I walk out of here today um, with my joyful, or whether I walk out down in the dumps like, like Martin Luther and CFW Walther, who probably both struggled at times with some major depressive disorders, no matter the case, we have the promise of our God that he has done and continues to do his work through his means. You can think of it this way. Just this last Thursday, we celebrated the fourth of the five great festivals of the Christian year, the Festival of Ascension, where Jesus visibly ascended back into heaven from the Mount of Olives. And he's standing there at the top of the Mount of Olives with you know, this group of 120 disciples. And then he starts rising 
up and up and up until a cloud hides him from their sight. And they went back to Jerusalem rejoicing. Not rejoicing that he had withdrawn his visible presence, rejoicing that he was gone, but rejoicing that even as the grass stood up on the hill where he had been standing, they went back rejoicing because he would be with them exactly as he had promised. He would continue to be with them exactly as he had promised. And he is so and does so still today. That's why, you know, a couple of our hymns today, um, and I encourage you, if you're poetic in any way, or even if you're not, give a try to put your faith into words. Write a little poetry and match it up with a hymn tune. Two out of the four hymns today were um, amended by yours truly because they had left out this most comforting certainty of the forgiveness of sins that is communicated through the means of grace. So, for instance, our, our final hymn, um, it's set to the tune of In Christ Alone, but the, the Gettys don't like you adding, adding verses to their hymn, of course, and that's their right. So we sing a hymn tune. It's set to the same tune, but it's a, a different set of words that talks about the thing that they left out, which is the certainty and the comfort of the means of grace. That this Jesus who has ascended is still with us today. That this Jesus who now intercedes on our behalf is still active and operative through his word. That this Jesus still comforts you and me with the taste of his body and blood, each one individually, for the forgiveness of sins, so that you and I, in a world that is full of uncertainty, can have the certainty of the resurrection brought home to our hearts. Why? Because Jesus himself said, if I find the right page, Jesus himself said um, that he, he says in verse 13, I am coming to you, and and I am saying these things in the world so that they may be filled with joy. I have given them your word. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. That Jesus has done these things so that you and I can have the certainty of the resurrection applied in your life and mine. The certainty that God has attached his promise to the means of grace, that is, his tools of grace. The certainty that your status as a Christian doesn't depend on your emotional state. It depends on your connection with the vine through his chosen tools. Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.